Welcome to Stop, Back, and Roll, a podcast about finding a way to connect every indie game to every other through an elaborate laundering mechanic. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Today we talk about how the shape of the industry is perfectly poised for a revolution in supplementary material, and we call Gygax a weirdo. And I'm going to go ahead and close out of Twitter. Yeah, oh, I should do I'm gonna I'm gonna unclose out of Twitter because uh, it was in the same window as my show notes. This is content. Uh, this, by the way, this goes is content. In. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wanna I wanna do more. I wanna do more live. Not lot. Maybe not necessarily live shows, but okay. I wanna do more shows where we bring guests on. I think that would be a lot that's of fun. That too. I, that's the thing that I've wanted to do for a little bit, and like just like even if it's literally like at like five o'clock, just hit up hit up Twitter and be like, Yo, who's available? Who wants to come on Stop Back and Roll? You have to be ready in an hour. I can't do that anymore. I've learned I've learned that I can no longer use Twitter as Google. It it used to be that I could use Twitter as Google and it was amazing because I would just be like, "Hey, I need this." And like somebody would be like, "Hey, here's what I think." And I'd be like, "Cool." But now if I try to use Twitter as Google, I just get like just my day oh. is done. <laughs> my I'm still over. In, in- I'm still in sub 1000 follower Twitter, so I can still do that for the most part. I swear to God, like the Twitter algorithm is set up that you hit a thousand and something changes and then you hit 2000 and everything changes. It is a completely different thing. Like that's so wild. I, and I think it's algorithmic too, because I think there's like an algorithm that does it because when I was at like 180, Twitter acted just the same as when I was a thousand, but like I hit 2000 and now I, I literally, I'm, I'm growing faster than I'm comfortable growing. And like <laughs> anything I tweet gets a hundred, hundred likes. And like, that's, well, that's not yeah, because I'm a, suddenly a genius. It's not because like it, I went from like 15 <laughs> likes on every tweet at 1,800 people. It is, I think it's to weird. some extent exponential. Like, yeah, it is. It, it's interesting. But anyway, but we're talking about one of my Twitter conversations <laughs> today anyway, aren't we? Are we? So this is the other thing I was going to say is normally we have like uh, a 10, 15 minute chat before the podcast where we actually decide what we're going to talk about. But instead we ranted about stuff for like a 30 <laughs> minutes. So uh, not 30. So minutes. I have no idea what we're talking like about today. What are we minutes. talking about? Like 13 minutes. minutes, 15 minutes. OK, so when we were talking about what we would want to play, uh, yeah. you said to me that I've been spitting a bunch of stuff on Twitter and that yeah. maybe we could do one of those things. And yes. uh, I'm not going to do one of like the salty things because I definitely have some salty things I've been talking lately. So I saw the, the couple things that I remember that stuck out is I saw you talk about um, like crossover, comic book crossover type stuff. Yeah. Like, how can you play a character from another thing and another thing? Yeah. Um, what, was, what was some other stuff? So I've been talking been about, about? Uh, crossover games. I've been talking about uh, changing what my like setting is for Tower Shield. To possibly be doing something oh. that's more, that's like less like European fantasy mm-hmm. and more like Peruvian fishing village fantasy. Okay. Um, and so that's been interesting. What, that what? I just want to know what that is. Just tell me about what is Peruvian fishing village fantasy. So like, uh, so my, my abuela grew up in this like tiny little fishing village yeah. that, uh, that I, I, we used to go and visit anytime that we were in Peru, uh, and it is fascinating because it is so it is so almost remote from things mm-hmm. that life is like is very different. And obviously it was very different now and it, yeah. than it was uh when my abuela was living there. Uh but I've just been thinking about like like the amount of strength and work that goes into living in a place that things are not made easy for you and how well that translates to people going like okay now i'm gonna pick up my i'm gonna Mm -hmm. grab my sword and armor and do the thing because it's like the same thing as like as medieval fantasy that like you know we're talking primarily about like peasants that pick up a sword and go and do the thing but yeah there's there's an interesting i was just gonna say that there's there's an interesting thing there about how um I think that in in a lot of like ex- explicitly Western fantasy, we we have this kind of 
there's the knights and yeah. there's the adventurers and they are distinct from the peasants because they are the people who can either pay for the armor or they can or they they've stolen the armor and they're like they're physically different because they're stronger yeah. they're smarter they're more adventurous um but i think that like i like i've been in this um it's like take like the dnd thing of like the average the average stat is supposed to be 10 and you're supposed yeah. to have way above 10 right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um I've been listening to a podcast about I've been listening to a podcast called The History of Rome. Okay. And like and I mean and so that's the interesting thing there that I that I was thinking about is like so they don't have I mean this is this okay so this is this is a little bit of a fuzzy thought but like this is true of of medieval uh, of like the medieval European era as well but in like ancient Rome it was a big deal that there were no standing armies. Yeah. And so when when um when 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 nations would go to war with each other or when cities would go to war with each other they would raise an army. Yeah. And the reason why the 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 you could just grab any random person and be like here's your sword go. Yeah. is because well, first of all, because there was a whole weird power dynamic, but also because like those people were living through extreme hardship just to like to farm and survive yeah. in a kind of dangerous non non modern society. Um, and and uh, that's interesting. Uh, framing framing a story around that as opposed to the the Western and medieval knight style, where there are knights who are an echelon above. Not just equipment wise, but yeah, statistically, and like I've just been playing with the idea of like it all. It's so I've got so many things. I've got so many thoughts now that are all tie into each other, and I don't know how long you <laughs> want to spend on this, this versus other stuff. Does this connect to your 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 the thing you were talking about with um, murals, community, and art? Yeah, and murals. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, like I was unclear as to whether or not that was supposed to be a game. Uh, played around a table or actually played out in a city looking for murals. <laughs> oh no, yeah. The intention for that was that it's um that basically I was thinking through like what are the things what are the things that you try to get in like a European mm-hmm. fantasy game? And you try to get like like magical items, you try to get yeah. gold, you try to get like statues built of you. And I was just thinking about like like this specific little village that has like four or five beautiful murals in it. And they're just things that people just made that they just in the town they made. And it, I, I don't know if all of them still exist because the, the town has become definitely more kind of gentrified, uh, in like a weird, yeah, like, yeah, gentrified. Um, yeah. And so I don't know if that stuff still exists, but, it wasn't it wasn't like a a statue that is a single person's glory right yeah it's like it's about community it's about things that people went through together it's about some symbols and things like that Mm -hmm. and so if i'm trying to do a setting where the players get to have cool abilities and get to have cool magic and stuff like that but i don't want them to be automatically this vaulted above the standard person mm-hmm. thing then I need to kind of recontextualize like how abilities and magic work. And I think one way to do that is to ground that really firmly in the community that you're like, yeah, borrowing magic almost. Yeah. I like that. I, I, I do love that idea that it's, that it's from the community. Uh, the other thing I was thinking is like, if you're talking about heroes or characters who live in a village like that, if they go off and adventuring and do the standard D and D thing and they come back to their village and they're like, Hey, look at this cool magical sword that does fire damage. Yeah. Those villagers are going to be like, cool, does that help us fish? Like, does that help us yeah. get through the day? Like, and like, you, you can't come back and sell your hoard of, of gold, magical yeah. gold to the town that couldn't buy it, you know? Like, yeah. Like, w- like, one of the things that is in European fantasy is just like, the like you you'll see in different equipment lists like this is how much it costs to buy a house and then it's like this is how much it costs to buy a plus two sword and it's like oh okay so this village that we went to is worth less because gold is such like a <laughs> is such like yeah. a, the point of everything is worth less mathematically and in total than this entire village and that sucks i, I wonder if you could 
this is definitely so this is definitely a uh, a realm of storytelling that I'm a little bit less familiar with because obviously I'm extremely white and very uh <laughs> brought up in in western fantasy but um I wonder if the 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 small fishing town would care they would they would care less about the actual magic sword I wonder if they would care more about the story of how you left and went and found the magic store sword. Um, and I wonder if a, like a system where you have, like you were talking about the murals being of the hardships and sort of like, or like, like a, a, a painted or version of the oral tradition, like the oral history of the town. Um, and I wonder if adventuring for the purposes of, of like experiencing and learning and seeing other things in other parts of the world to bring back stories, maybe even stories to add to the mural. Oh yeah. That's definitely something that I want to include is like, is that kind of the grand idea that I'm sort of playing with and I'm not hundred percent sure how it hits yet is that these community works of arts and which might be murals, might be shrines, might be, mm-hmm. uh, any number of things, uh, could be like could be graffiti on a wall, right? Yeah. Uh those contain in them different strengths and different symbols. And so like when you return from something, you might be able to like talk with someone who can do a thing and like paint something for you or like you yeah. might come back and paint something and it doesn't necessarily it isn't necessarily about like what what is the value gold wise of like what's on the wall yeah but like when when i am lost i can return to this scene in front of me and pull something from it and like have that experience that like ties me back to the people that did the original painting because like the murals also layer on top of each other and build yeah, over yeah, time yeah. and everything like that that would lead to a a very cool potential leveling mechanic mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. um where that would a uh, leveling mechanic that would that would sort of connect up really nicely with um almost every group that I've played in has a sort of uh table rule where at the beginning of every session we uh recap what happened in the last session yeah but if if like what you're doing is you're coming back and you're telling the story of the adventure you went on what if you literally did that? Yeah. What if you as the adventuring party told each other oh, the story slick. of the last adventure you went on? Yeah. As part of a as a ritual involved in the game. That could as be part of cool. the like banking that story in art or in in like you're telling you're telling the the arts art yeah. smith, uh the art <laughs> the art <laughs> the dealer, artisan uh, artisan, the uh the painter, the sculptor, the whoever, you're sharing that story with the community again to add it to the community story. Yeah. And and I think that also opens up the possibility of having a bunch of having like things that are cool about your character mm-hmm. that can persist in some way beyond your actual character if you want to. Like I am yeah. I am enamored with fantasy stories that characters can die suddenly. Like that is my preferred way to play mm-hmm. dungeon crawls and stuff like that. And so if that can be something that can happen and it doesn't mean, oh, I'm 12 levels below people, uh, then that's a really nice thing. Would that take on the archetype of like the legacy playbook in masks where you like you have a character who is who has been imbued with certain powers because they are part certain part of a part of the community and they're basically like if they've been given their powers and cool things they can do from a set of murals in a community, and then they die, then ne- does another person step up at some point and take yeah. on that mantle? That's cool. That is something I hadn't considered, that like maybe you'd you'd like almost be aligning yourself, you'd almost be aligning yourself with a, like, with one of those structures. Mmm. <laughs> That's cool. Because, and then... Yeah, and that would that would give depending on what exactly you wanted to play, yeah. And how and again, this is getting into the I'm not super familiar with this type of of story, but it, depending on how antagonistic you would want the players to be, then you could either play that as I am the representative of 
the the fishermen and i and this character is the representative of the masons mm. um and you are basically like you are all representatives of some part of the community as a whole um and so you've been granted powers to protect the community and go out and learn things and stories and bring back new knowledge or you could play it as i am the representative i am the hero i am the I am the the whatever the the mantle of our town, and then all of the players represent different communities who that are adjacent yeah. to each other, and maybe we all band together to defend from an, an an outside threat coming to attack us. But we all also a little bit like, hey, you're fishing in my area, um, <laughs> you cut too many trees in my area of the woods. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm. It's funny because like I. I have like some things that I'm like, this is a, this is a thing. Like, I feel like I could make a really cool mural or like work of art, Mm -hmm. almost collage style work of art system, right? That like the symbols that are coming together that give you specific things and like shape your path in some way. And I, I literally don't know if this should be a game or a module. Like it should be a game. This should be a game. Maybe, maybe it should be a game. This is this is a freestanding <laughs> game, Brandon. Yeah, but it's so um, like okay. So like I don't know whether a module whether the what? art thing on its own is a game. All right, whether I see. like a fantasy game has that system, or whether that is a system that could be created and sold as part of a module or as part of a setting book, basically, that would be like just as powerful to do that because the right now. The indie, the indie RPG space is in a weirder space than it has been in. <laughs> yeah, probably pre Forge. I think pre Forge is the last time things were so weird. Because like well, the market has changed in a dramatic way. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with the Forge. So okay, well, but. you don't need to be, uh, or the gaming community today. Today, <laughs> okay. Um, so right now things but. are super weird. There's kind of three big things that are making the indie RPG space really, really weird right now. Mm-hmm. One is that there was just the enormous uh, bail fund bundle from Humble Bundle. Yeah. That just put like a ton of games, a ton, a ton of, of games. Hands. Yeah. Like tons of tons of games into a ton of hands uh, and has been a fraught thing with people from outside of the industry coming in and being like, oh, this game is bad because it is, you know, not a game. It's not a game or it's LGBT a, folks. or it's a game. Of, exactly. Um, and so that is obviously a negative thing that has happened. Yeah. But it also means that people have some like really, really great games. Like I, yeah. I've barely had a chance to, to touch the surface in this bundle. And yeah, me either. And I'm someone who reads a bunch of games. Uh, yeah. But at the same time as that, itch is becoming a really feasible platform for people to start actually making some money and like making yeah. legitimate money. Like the whole like $5 of indie RPGs joke is I think ringing less and less true that people are saying, yeah. yes, I can pay writers 40 cents a word uh, and not 40 cents a word. Is it 40 cents a word? I think it's like eight cents. But, but like, like sense. there, there are some yeah. people that are going like, yes, I can make we this can happen. Like paying yeah. at rates that like, cause like it used to be like maybe what five years ago that three cents a word was completely industry standard and you'd be happy to get three cents a word. Yeah. And so like itch and Patreon and, and Kickstarter exposure. Yeah, exactly. Pay by exposure was, was the, the big <laughs> thing. And now everybody is saying, no, pay me. And that's yeah. great. That's a good thing, but it's a change to the industry. Yeah. And Wizards of the Coast is like, you know, supporting pedophiles and having yeah. harassment campaigns and allowing a lot of really bad stuff. And that is driving people away. And like, yeah. obviously, I think it's driving people away more on Twitter than it is in real life and kind of the broad Wizards community. But it is a thing where people are going, okay, I have been half indie, half D&D for years. Now I'm looking for a game that I can play campaigns of and that I can play long term. I've seen some podcasts like Mm -hmm. um, my friends over at the ITU crew are not a huge stream group, but they're they're they're, they've been around for a minute. And I've seen some other other groups that are 
that are have been traditionally D and D campaigns say we're not going to play D and D anymore. We can't yeah. we can't support them like this. And also, we don't necessarily want to just go play a game that is D and D, but with the with the the, the serial numbers filed off. Mm-hmm. That is probably made by a company that is potentially just as bad because they're yeah. chasing that same fan base yeah and so what can we play where what kind of a can we can we play like can we play fantasy at all yeah um or what else can we find can we go play 13th age can we find uh whatever like yeah there's a whole bunch of other games out there that that could potentially do fantasy but is it significantly different yeah and like and i think it is because it is such a weird time in the industry this is an opportunity to a lot of that like some games are going to get uplifted and some yeah. games are going to get big. Like uh, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I didn't know what, que- I'd never heard of Quest. And heard of Quest. What is Quest? <laughs> Quest is this, uh, this RPG that kickstarted, I think, a year ago, year and a half ago. And it is the most like, hmm. like simplistically, gorgeously laid out game I've seen. It is doing a ton of things that Tower Shield was doing. And Mm. so, like, I'm looking at it and going, oh, they're doing the same thing as me. Uh, I can continue to do that, or I can kind of, like, shift and do something a little different. Like, they've got, they have moves on cards for the different characters. Uh, It looks so cool. This book, I want to buy this. I'm going to buy it as soon as I have a permanent address. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Or or I'll just send it to our PO box. (laughs) Yeah. You could do that too. We talked about the PO box. I don't think anyone from this this the stop back and roll community really wants Probably to email not. or mail us anything. Yeah. Um. I guess if you are listening to this podcast and you want to send us something in a physical mail, we do have a PO box now. Um. <laughs> I'm not gonna even. I don't. I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Me um. If you are interested in it, DM me or something, and I'll I'll give it to you. I guess. I haven't. Been, I wow. haven't. I haven't been outside my house. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Since the bad times started, and so I haven't <laughs> checked to see if there's anything there. Yeah, I I don't know I what not. building it's stored in. Um but in any case, like mm-hmm. things are changing in dramatic ways and I think that the yeah. industry the indie industry could change. Like we're seeing we're seeing a time that story gamers have always made their own games and like done this is my game, it stands on its own, it doesn't need any other games, it doesn't interact with any other games. And I think now we're seeing some more things where people are going, oh, I'm going to make a supplement for someone else's game. Uh, yeah. Like, not, I'm going to make a hack. I'm going to make a supplement. I'm going to make... Yeah, well, that... And, like, that's, and that kind of gets cool. That kind of gets back to the the um, the thing you were talking about a little bit earlier that we sort of hinted at, which is that... So, like, to talk about PBTA, because it's the thing that I know about. Yeah. People... People took the Apocalypse World game engine, yeah, um, the Powered by the Apocalypse core, and and for the for the most part, what they did was build um, worlds and games with their own custom mechanics and um, and everything that goes with that. I mean, you did it um, with with Passion, and 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 I, and don't I think that that's it. all. I don't regret it. Yeah, you don't regret it. I don't regret you doing it. I think that those... I don't regret any of the games. <laughs> Literally, we do a Masks podcast. Um, but, like, there's a... You can't really take a Masks playbook character and go play in an Urban Shadows game. Yeah. You could... Um, maybe, maybe, but, like, you couldn't take a Passion character and go play in Masks. Like, there's, there's a different enough... There's enough differences to the systems that they would clash a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if we won't start seeing... Um, like fate has a great community around it where people make like there's like people make games that are that are um themed to what they're trying to make the game, mm-hmm. but have rules and module sets that can be pulled out of that thing and used in the core fate because core fate doesn't have a, a its own setting. But I wonder if you couldn't see more of that, like could we move to a system like if you had if you had a if you had a pbta game that didn't have basic moves yeah and all of those basic things that you would do plus all of your playbook specific stuff all happened on the playbook well then a lot of that could travel yeah exactly you could start moving things around and like having having things where people 
bring to their table something yeah. that they have made or that was not made by like the original author. Like I think one of the things that makes D&D really powerful is that there is an infinite amount of material for it. It is um, that is something that you get a little bit if you run Urban Shadows because Urban Shadows has just a buttload of of playbooks that people have made. Urban Shadows has a lot. Um Urban Shadows has a lot, Monster Hearts has a lot, uh Masks has a lot. Uh, Dungeon World has a lot. Uh, Dungeon World has a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh, but it isn't It isn't the same as when you play Fate, if you wanted to customize, you could sit down and say, well, what do we want to play? We want to play a Final Fantasy style game. Yeah. Let's go grab the, let's go grab these kinds of, we'll, we'll start with Fate Condensed. It's the new thing. We'll grab the Starfighter rules, like the, the threat chart thing from, um, uh, Tachyon Squadron because that's a cool mechanic and even we're not going to use it for um, we're not going to use it for spaceships we're going to use it for airplane fighting because it should still work for that and mm-hmm. we're going to grab this other rule set from this version of Fate and we're going to grab these this mo- like this this dungeon style from from this version of Fate yeah and slap all these modules or like modular systems together mm-hmm. um, to to build the right kind of game f- to play our story yeah but anyone anyone like but then if you did that like if my sunday evening group did that because we play fate a bunch and then you wanted to come join us one day you could just build a fate character knowing nothing about how we've customized fate and you could join in pretty easily and probably pick up the rest of our rules and then maybe after a session i go like i'm gonna move this stuff around you go cool yeah because it's it's all there's like it's it's the modular modules thing you've talked about it's it's the 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 rather than reinventing the wheel completely every time which which i'll say is a so i guess i don't want to say reinventing the wheel because one of the strengths of the way that pbta works is that it is it's very genre specific yeah and pushes you to play the right genre but yeah. i don't see a reason why that can't all move exclusively onto the playbook totally um and i think like it is complicated, right? Because at a certain point, it is no longer making a PBTA game. Yeah. Right? Like, well, yeah. Let's not get I don't know. That. That, that's impossible, right? <laughs> but like, the whole uh, setup of making your own game for your specific genre works extremely well. But it's for, it works extremely well for specific genres. Like, mm-hmm. People talk about uh, Dungeon World as being, like, the fantasy PBTA. It isn't. It's the D&D PBTA. Yeah. And so, like, if you wanted to make a fantasy PBTA, you could. And that would allow you, if if we can come up with, like, if someone... Do you hear the baby screaming? I hear baby noises, she's, yeah. she's happily shouting in the other room. Um, If... If we had a more generic fantasy system mm-hmm. that put more of the basis on the playbooks and less of the basis on the core, then you could have something that people can quickly put things together in an interesting way. Yeah, yeah. Which is where I can see the thing you were talking about being a modular framework that you slap, not slap, but but connect Slap. into um into anything because again like like i love the idea that like i love the idea of games that have a a community playbook or a crew yeah. playbook or a, a neighborhood like uh, again hydro hackers has a, a neighborhood framework um and i love the idea that if we were playing masks and wanted to be more community focused, then maybe we could be able to just go grab one of the different like modules to do that and just like yeah connected into the our game um i definitely think that i would love to see more of that it is really cool being able to like to look at kind of especially the way that oh that the osr does stuff that there are people that just grab like enormous systems like full Mm -hmm. deeply involved systems and just connect it to their game and that's something that we don't have because our games because in the story gaming community our games tend to be really tightly focused yeah uh, but you can have real tight focus and also have things that really work well like i could you could produce a system that could slot into literally any pbta game without any trouble 
-hmm. you just don't touch the currencies because you don't know what the currencies are. Um, or you yeah. give like descriptive things that hint at the currencies. So like say things like take harm equivalent to X, right? Like take yeah. harm equivalent to a baseball bat. Like, but even, even I would say, I would, I would say that because of how narrative focused it is, that makes it easier because you wouldn't even need to like, you wouldn't even need to slot into the currencies as much as like you could have things that say when you suffer a loss. Yeah. You don't have to define what that loss is. Yeah. But it's a narrative thing that happens. Or when you, when, when whatever, like when something comes to town, when, when this event or that event happens in the story. Yeah. As long as those things are, are generic enough. And realistically, like you can make things as much as you want, right? Like you don't need to say, oh, this is a trap, roll dexterity to avoid yeah. it, right? You can put in like, uh, there is a trap here. Roll with these three questions. Right. And then you've literally just sidestepped the whole thing. Because moves are themselves... Contained. They are... They're self-contained mechanics. Yeah. This is the thing that PBTA should absolutely be doing. There's yeah. Really, there's no excuse for this. So... <laughs> there's some excuse for this. No, there's because, no excuse for No, this. because there's some excuse for this, James. Because, no excuse for this. Okay. Are you ready for some, like, Gygaxian history? Sure. Okay. Sure. So, uh, I'm, I'm not, Gygax does not get final say. So he's getting, he's getting a say, but not final say. Uh, his some idea. Gygax. What? Just some guy. He's just some guy. Some guy. Gygax. Some guy, Gax. Some guy, Gax. Yeah. So, Gax. Um, anyway, his theory, and I think I may have talked about this before on the show, is that people begin as players, then they become GMs, then they write a game, then they run a convention. And that that is the one true path of playing. And so that if you if you stop on that path, you have like ceased your path towards gaming enlightenment. Like this is this is what you're supposed to be trying to do, right? Uh, and I think that basically in like the story gaming sphere, we skip the and then you become a GM step. That people are like, I'm a player slash GM. I'm kind of at that level. I'm making my own game. And like, I think in Gygax's mind, that GM step is a step that you are doing things like writing modules and that you're doing things like, uh, like really detailed adventure building. But I think that we kind of skip that step because we've de-emphasized the role of the GM. The GM is like a player at the table. Yes. But in a way, they're a tool of the game mechanics. Yeah, they're like a in a in a weird way they are a rules arbiter. Yeah, it's in some ways. Even in some ways. Like even more so than at least in D&D. At least the adventure designing and like the story designing is taken yeah. off of the GM because it is put either um on the group of players as a whole in something like in something like, you know, 99% of story games. Something like Monster Hearts, yeah. right? Like the story has been taken out of the hands of the GM and put into the hands of the player. Mm -hmm. Or it's taken out of the hands of the GM and put into the hands of the mechanics. Like something yeah. like uh, Steal Away Jordan or something like The Road to Linda's Farm. Uh, that you have, you don't have the GM writing a story because we know the story already. It's already set up by the book. Yeah. And so I think in the story games community, we have a little bit of a, like, you're a player GM because, like, players and GMs are pretty much interchangeable in the kind of story game space. And then abruptly you're writing a game. And there's nothing wrong with that because anyone can write a game. Yeah. But I think it does mean we lose the step of supplementary material. Yeah. 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 You're supposed to... Yeah, you, you produce supernatural aids uh, to other games. And then you cross through the threshold. You meet up with your mentor uh you then hit the abyss where you go through death and rebirth yeah yeah uh and then are transformed uh into a gm uh for which you then atone and then you return something about the gift of the goddess i don't know how the, the hero's journey works i was Sorry, gonna say this is this is the hero's a, journey this is a bad joke that i didn't execute well <laughs> but yes it's, but like like obviously all of this is very silly because it is a single person's ideas of what a gamer is supposed to be yeah um but I think that there is, I think because 
the culture has de-emphasized the role of the GM and kind of like has simultaneously de-emphasized the role of the GM and also made it clear that game design isn't difficult and that anyone can do Mm. game design. It makes game design really accessible, which is an amazing thing. And everybody has their thing that they want to make. Can I also, I would also like to postulate that in addition to that, we have, we have taken out the traditional D&D session zero and replaced it with a story gaming session zero. Yeah. And I don't think that that needed to, needs to have happened. And what I mean by that is the session zero story, the story game session zero is one where you sit down with the other players and the GM and you talk about what is the kind of story we want to tell? Yeah. What are our lines and veils? What are the things that are not going to be in our story? What are the kinds of characters you build the team together you decide like but you've you've already chosen the system and you're saying what what within this system do we want to play and what are we comfortable with and what are we not comfortable with and all of that stuff but it doesn't incorporate the traditional uh dungeons and dragons style session zero which is more like all right which modules are we like we're going to use the core rules but am i going to be allowed to reuse my psionics handbook yeah. Uh, that I bought or I have I have this other monster manual that has rules for how I'm going to play mm-hmm. a displacer beast that walks on two legs can I use that and the GM goes no 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 because I don't have that book yeah. so I, I don't know how to do that or someone else is like hey I have this cool artificers uh, class that I found in this other errata book uh, however you pronounce that word um, I think both and and I think that there is a there is a there is a game building mechanic or not mechanic. There's a game building phase at the yeah. beginning of those kinds of games where you're choosing which set of rules you're going to use. Yeah. Um, and we have moved away from that. I think because the games are self-contained, right? Like when you have a thing that there are, I mean, for there's plenty of PPTA games yeah. that there are six playbooks. Which, like we said, themed, the exception is... Right? For Urban Shadows or Dungeon World, where the player yeah. might say, hey, I found this cool, this playbook on a, on a forum somewhere. Am I allowed to use that? Yeah. Uh, but that's not, but that's different from, hey, I found this whole module for a magic system. Yeah. Can I use, can we use can, this? Can every single character in the entire game now have psionic scores yeah. so that the psionicist can exist? Yeah. Yeah. Which I was the guy who bought the Sionics handbook that my GM didn't have. <laughs> and so my character was both overpowered and also completely useless. Yeah. Because yeah. the GM didn't know how to make Sionic villains. And so I had no one to fight. Yeah. And like, the, the, we're kind of painting the worst case scenario for this, but that's not the intention. No. Like, there's, there's no reason that we couldn't have a thing where you're sitting down to play um, new big PBTA game. And one of the players says, like, hey, uh, did you see that blog post that had the farming simulator? And people go, oh, yeah, I'd love to do some farming on the side of my adventuring. And now you're doing farming on the side of the adventuring. And like, like, I don't think that that there is a moral design, whatever thing that is better or worse about about making games versus making supplementary material. And I I almost just want to like, I don't want to stigmatize making your own game. People should make their own game, but -hmm. I want to destigmatize making content for other people's games and making more content for your games if you want to. And, and especially for a, for a community that is so centered around things like the fate SRD and the PBTA SRD and Mm -hmm. the, and like the 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 forge in the dark SRD, it's weird that people have made they take those central rules, but then build systems that are so incompatible with each other. Yeah, and like it's I, if if I went on any of the platforms right now, and I looked up magic items, there would be like twenty new little PDFs of magic items that drop today for D anD. d or for generic OSR. There would be none 
for every other story game that exists, right? Like, it would be cool to be able to go online and get, like, here are, here's 10 moves that Mm -hmm. work in an urban magic setting. And then I can grab that. It's great for masks. It's great for uh, urban shadows. It's great for monster hearts. It's great for monster of the week. Uh, And just like word it and make it in a way that any of those games can use it. Yeah, this is the thing that you and I have talked about a couple times. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is that hill I'm going to die on. That's fine. (laughs) Um, And it gets into the big secret thing that I want to do at some point, but don't want to talk about the (laughs) podcast. Um, And that maybe someone is already doing. We'll have to see. Um, But yeah. But like all of that is to say... Here's where it gets interesting. If you have a monolith game, you can make content for that monolith game, right? If you're making content for a variety of games, it makes it very different. So, like, let's say I come up, let's say I decide that I'm going to do, uh, that I want to make some magic items, and I want to make magic items for a whole bunch of games, every game, every indie game I love. I can do that, and I can make it either system agnostic, that it doesn't specifically call anything out and that it's like very narrative or I can come up with my 10 ideas and write them specifically for monster hearts and then save that file, upload it, then go and say, all right, now I'm going to change out all of the stats. I'm going to make it work with the uh, currencies of masks and save it and put it online. And so, like, there's no reason that people can't make their content stretch and, like, do supplementary material for a bunch of different things. And so, like, I don't know, I don't know how hard it would be, but, like, I'm thinking as I'm going, is my game idea a game or a module? It can be one and the other. It can be both. Yeah. Like, I can make the module version that is an adventure that can be used in whatever setting or could be in specific settings if I feel like doing making it non-system agnostic. And then I can go, cool, now I'm going to spend another six months on it, another year on it, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put an actual game behind it. Even if it isn't like a super heavy game, it's a game of its own, right? Sorry, I just went off on a... This is the thing I was thinking about. Because I think that the... There is an interest... Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's an aspect of how... A, narrative, and B, self-contained, so much PBTA is, yeah. that people aren't taking advantage of. Like, yeah. the thing I was thinking of is um, the secret identity uh, part of the Janus playbook, mm-hmm. which is just, you have a mundane life, you have a secret identity, here are some th- some examples of your obligations, choose three, yeah. um, you have, or when time passes, roll plus mundane. Change mundane, which is their mask specific stat, to three questions, which are generic. Yeah. And now you could rip that move out. Like so, say it's it's three three questions that have nothing to do with it, and then you are rolling two d six. That's just yeah. built into the move because that's the way you do that. You could take that secret identity block of stats and use that in D anD. d Yeah, and Completely. nothing would change about that move. Yeah, you would bring a little bit of that that uh, that genre into your other game or into mm-hmm. your OSR game or into your fantasy game or whatever. And and it will, because the the things that are happening as a result of the role are narrative, it's just an instruction to the GM of what to do. Yeah. And so if you're building your moves around, if you're building your, your items or your whatever, your systems, because mm-hmm. you could build an entire, this is your community system that can be dropped into anything. If you build it around stuff that isn't, inherent in the other system then you can make things really work and because you you probably you might not want it to touch the currencies of the existing system anyway yeah because like if it does then like you might suddenly end up with an apocalypse world situation where it's like oh everybody has five times as much barter as they're supposed to have yeah now we don't have now we don't have shortages yeah i mean the flip side is or you do something like the soldier which establishes Mm. its own stat yeah and how that stat moves and interacts. And so you could, again, you could take the soldier move, um, 
the soldier feature of the yeah. of the playbook where you have a soldier stat and you could put that on a D character and or on a on a on an urban shadows character and you wouldn't lose much like you'd bring with you a lot of that narrative weight because it's all self-contained absolutely and sure your your urban shadows character now has a stat called soldier yeah which no one else does but that's true of most masks games yeah so and like fundamentally fundamentally who cares like yeah there is there is no reason like i so one thing that i did in pasión dos pasiones is i made it so the conditions were not all shared so like i did the mm-hmm. same condition style as masks but instead of having the same four conditions the playbooks have a variety of conditions and so you have different yeah. ones from everybody else possibly which i love which i love it too but if i didn't have if i didn't have dependency upon specific basic moves i wouldn't have needed i mean i don't have stats i could have made i could have made you can make every i could have you could make every playbook have different stats mm-hmm. like if you've got yeah. the moves kind of separate from stuff it could be that you go okay we know this game is largely about combat every class needs strength right uh after that, who cares? If yeah. if you're playing if you're playing like a and D style fantasy and there's dump stats, why do you have stats? Why do you have that stat at all? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. you could have a stat that's like, this is my combat stat, this is my rogue stat, because I'm a rogue. Which is done. Ultimately the the like PBTA endgame that I've always wanted someone to do. <laughs> where like there is no basic anything, everything is defined by your archetypical playbook. Yeah. And like if you just like all you would need to agree on in order to make a completely playbook based game that all the playbooks can interact properly with each other is figuring out how defensive things work. So like mm. figure out how does, is there armor? Eh, actually even armor, you wouldn't need to know. You'd only need to know how does, how is harm codified? Like, do you have 20 HP or do you have 4 HP? Because that's going to make a difference. If it's a combat game. If it's a combat game. Um, But, like, any defensive kind of thing like that, right? Like, anything where conditions are possibly in effect. You need to to know what it is. You don't need to know... You need to know, like, essentially how many conditions it is. So you don't have a playbook that has... One has 15 conditions and one has two. But the flip side of that is... You can launder that kind of stuff through narrative a little bit yes if if we are playing a game in which you have a playbook that can take 14 harm and i'm and i have a playbook that can handle three stress but then i have five conditions yeah as long as the input that's coming into my my health mechanic is narrative it doesn't matter i i can see that but like what I would want to avoid is a situation where one person makes a sword that's a two two harm sword, mm-hmm. and one person makes a sword that's a two d eight harm sword. Right. Well, you, that's right. What like I'm saying. Describe two different you, things. You can't because because you can't you couldn't do that because the end like the mechanic has to end at the edge of your playbook and become narrative. So it it has okay. to, so you could have a you could have a two d eight sword, but when you roll that two d eight, it has to define something narratively on the playbook. That is the output of that playbook's attack. Okay. Or so action. In in my mind, what I would want to try to set things up in a way that as little ruling is happening as possible. Because like okay. then you do have to take that you then have to take that narrative sure, and yeah, turn sure, it sure. into a mechanic, right? And like that is that is a matter of personal preference, right? Because because mm. the truth is, in in pretty much well, any PBTA game, you are making that same ruling anyway you like you're saying yeah oh this person kicked you versus this person kicked you mark a condition or ver- i mean this person kicked you take a powerful blow the solution there is that's the gm like the gm yeah, is making so that. much work then because then i gotta remember yeah because then i gotta remember that you've got 20 hp and someone else has one hp no you, know? you have to remember what my specific damage taking move is and oh, specific damage taken move because it doesn't yeah. matter how much like all it is 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 someone has done some action to you and that that action has become a narrative 
that yeah. narrative either triggers my take a powerful blow move or it doesn't qualify as a powerful blow yeah and therefore i don't i maybe there's one other thing you can do narratively or whatever i i think that that works better than you think it does so in, in that case you would just need to define that playbooks needs a take a hit move maybe or not i guess or not i don't think that you do i'm like because that because that you could have a character who doesn't have the like if you have a ghost or a vampire yeah. or something like that you might have a character that has like if you're playing a vampire and it ha- and you're take them you're take like so you're you might have a damage move that says when someone attacks you with uh, a stake make, through the heart a, a yeah. stake through the heart or with silver or whatever um mm-hmm. garlic or whatever it is that kills vampires like then Running then water. it triggers your move but if Doorways. but if someone uh attacks you with a dagger it's not going to do happens. it's not going to it's not going to trigger like they may roll successfully yeah but that's only going to define the narrative of what happens during the attack from their end and then it hits your move and is translated back into your mechanics yeah so i, I think, think i think maybe more more correctly that i think more correctly you'd have to be very mindful before not making that move because if you don't yeah. have that move then it just falls upon the narrative, right? And so that makes you as that makes you as as thin as an NPC, right? It makes you paper or invulnerable at yeah. GM discretion. Well, but if you, I mean, if you are if 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 you are if you are the game designer and you are writing yeah. a playbook that is designed for our PBTA Omni system, GURPS, our GUR, our PBTA, PBTA yeah, PBTA PB Terps, um, powered by the Erps. Um, <laughs> it's definitely powered by the Erps. Um, and you are making a playbook that has no take, that has no move that is triggered by taking damage. Yeah. Then that is you as a designer signaling that this character is not ever going to be taken out of the story by damage. Maybe. Perhaps. Because remember, NPCs also in games don't have like a take damage move. Mm-hmm. which means that the so GM then, more or less decides what happens. So like, but like you could, if you made your sheet, like you, if it says on the playbook, like you are mm-hmm. all power, you cannot be destroyed by mortal man. Then like, then that suggests that the narrative keeps you safe. Or if it says like, yeah, this is a, if it says like metatextually, like this is a playbook that isn't about combat. You yeah. can't be taken out by combat. And so actually what you'd almost want, perhaps, here's a but third option. But that's also option. a move, right? Those are, those yeah. are both moves. They're just written Here, not as moves. Here's a third, a third option would be a, or a second option. I've lost how many, how many options we have here is where the, the, if you decide that we're playing a game that involves combat, you go gra- grab the Omni System module for combat. For combat. Which has its own move. That mm. then translates into a. It says here's every character is going to get this many uh, blah blah blah. Yeah, this many stress. And then if you are making the vampire playbook, you as part of that playbook say, I don't want this character to be taken out of the story by combat. So if you are choosing to play this in a in a in a game where you have assembled a, a separate non playbook based combat move don't use it or yeah. use this instead or here's here's yeah. some guides to interpret it away when you when you do when this happens you may instead use this move yeah yeah or you just may ignore it yeah i mean un- there is also the option of going like very taylor labrush and saying hey you take damage when you want to take damage and when it makes sense to you in the narrative to take damage and it's the form yeah. of damage that you want to take yeah uh, which like I mean, I, I also love, totally works. I love the idea of two players get into a combat with each other, a barbarian and a vampire, and the barbarian does their damage move or their does their like they describe their character attacking the vampire, yeah. which triggers their damage dealing move. They they roll their directly engage a threat. They determine because even directly engage a threat doesn't like spit out harm. No, um, yeah. Well, it, it kind of does. Out, it spits out sort of. You it spits out you give them a condition. Conditions, yeah. But yeah. Um, but it spits out a narrative effect and then you translate that. And so it determines how effectively you did the attack and then spits out a narrative effect, which you then look at the vampire sheet and say, do you have a defensive move? The answer is no. So if the, if the barbarian rolls extremely well, 
then what happens is they whacked you and it did nothing or it yeah. sent you flying, but it didn't, it didn't take you out of the story. Yeah. Um, I think that both so those things something. can be yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. Also, this is interesting. This is, this is a greater degree of things working together than I would have, than I, than I came in thinking, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Yes. And so, I think it would work. What I'm saying is, Everyone who hasn't written a PBT Omni system already is a coward and a fool. And uh, and what you're are you never going to run a convention. And you're never going to run a convention. Never going to run one. Um, so a funny little thing with the circling back real quick to Gygax. A funny thing with that is that you can't run a convention without writing a game. Yeah, that's weird. His his idea was it's a linear path. So like you don't oh, like buy the books and GM first. You have to find a group of people. And remember, this is the 70s. So, like, yeah. it's not easy to find this group of people. You have to find a group of people and play before you're allowed to GM, before you're what allowed a, to write a game, before you're allowed to run a convention. What a, what a, what a, a weirdo. What a weirdo. But also, like, what a, what a way to shoot your own business model in the foot. Because <laughs> if you're saying that, like, a group of four kids in middle school can't just don't go buy, buy a playbook no, and start don't. a D&D group by How themselves, they can't do that. They have to art, find another person who's playing. And the most annoying thing in the world is that it worked. <laughs> That's so weird. Except that people ignore everything that yeah. he wrote because nothing he wrote has any use. Yeah. Of course, That's... his philosophy is just garbage as his rules. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> powered by the herbs. Yeah, powered by the herbs. Yeah. I, gen- I, I want to now, I want to I look into that more because I genuinely think I, I, I was really hard against you building this community, mural community storytelling yeah. engine as a, as a, as a module that, yeah. As opposed to its own freestanding game. And I have totally abandoned that position. I have totally nice. come around on. I think that this could be the beginning of a Brandon Leon Gambetta TM Omni <laughs> system. How how cool would it also be to like transfer this into masks and be like, yeah, we're a group of kids that have a mural downtown yeah. that we that we paint or spray paint or whatever. And like update, and that is part of what makes us a team is having this together, right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That could be fun, or even 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 better. I love the idea of we are a group of heroes for whom, when we do things, and sometimes before we do them, someone paints a mural. Mm, that's cool. And we don't know who it is. We don't know why, but someone is watching us. Someone yeah. is painting our stories. And someone maybe knows more about what's happening than when we do. Or publishing our comic book. Or publishing our comic book. Yeah. Because definitely, definitely when I'm making this, there's going to be some, there's going to be some weird psychic and magic stuff and everything. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Well, that's great. And we're going to definitely have to come back around on this. This was a very, we haven't done a very like heady um, we haven't. Uh, 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 we used to call them uh, uh, game, like brainstorming episodes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When back, remember back a thousand years ago, a thousand we years used to ago. break our podcasts up into brainstorming and game storming. Yeah, and we were so organized. We were so organized. Our, well, our eyes were so bright. Yeah, <laughs> back when our show notes included anything. But uh. Hey, so, so. It, it includes the number of the show. That's true. And it includes all the credits and stuff. Yeah, which, true. speaking of which, if you um, want to stand up and and help us write uh, uh, Powered by the Herbs, or whatever <laughs> whatever the heck we're going to really call it. Um, I don't know. This is a bad outro. But anyway, hit us up on Twitter. Together we are at Stop Back and Roll, and individually I am at End the Meltdowns. And I'm at B. Leon Gambetta. You can find all our episodes, links to some of the games we've been working on, and a little bit less at www.stopbackandroll.com. Yeah, actually a whole lot less, because I think the website's broken right now, but uh, I will look into that. <laughs> and um, a whole lot less. A whole lot less. Woo! Um, you can email us, because I think the email still works, uh, at, G- at James or Brandon at stopbackandroll.com. It's just the forwarding from the domain to the website. And, and just just send it to James, not me. <laughs> James checks his email and really I don't. Up, we should really update this outro. <laughs> this outro needs a... Yeah, it should be like, if you would like to find us, try not to. 
<laughs> garbage fires. Yeah, because like also it should say like you can find us on Twitter, but don't look at anything that Brandon says. It's <laughs> full of angry people and salt. Uh, you can, if you like our podcast more than you like our social media, you can rate and review us on iTunes to help other people find the show. Five-star ratings are a great way for people to find us by us bumping up that game's list. Yeah, we make this podcast with the support of our Patreon backers. Um, I'd like to thank and welcome a new backer, Anthony, as well as old favorites like Troy Pitchelman, Oliver Perks, Rich Howard, Richard Crutch-Landry, Rob Abrazado, Evan Nyquist, Justin Hunter, Greg Walters, and Phil Ulrich. If you'd like to support our show and our fu- and any future shows, uh, check us out at patreon.com slash roll. If you can't support us financially, support our community by becoming a part of it. Join our Discord at tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord or discord.stophackandroll.com. In order to exit our show, you will have to have installed the outro module. That's uh, true. You can find it on the shelf at any uh, Barnes & Noble or other uh, brick-and-mortar bookstore. It's on um, itch. It's on itch. Uh, and it is called Don't Forget to Stop, Hack, and Roll. Don't go to a brick-and-mortar bookstore. Don't there go, is a please. global pandemic. Wear please a mask. do not go to a Wash your hands mask. every day, so many times, and always wear a mask. Wear a mask.